Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The doomsday scenario is getting nearer and nearer this morning as we are told that Boris Johnson is about to unveil a new raft of rules and regulations in an effort to delay the inevitable spread of the coronavirus around the country. In a matter of hours, the Prime Minister is expected to bring in measures which could mean that schools will be shut down and people will be made to work from home. The big question is, how will it all work? And who on earth is going to ensure that people do what they are told? Because at the moment, when you have people travelling around the world to follow football teams and you have people travelling around the world to follow rugby teams even when those rugby games are not actually going on uh, it doesn't seem as though anybody really is in a proper lockdown only last night thousands of Atletico Madrid fans were celebrating their team knocking Liverpool out of the Champions League they all travelled to Merseyside from Spain despite the country supposedly being locked down last night President Donald Trump suspended all flights from mainland Europe starting at midnight on Friday but the ban does not apply to the UK but the way things are going no one's going to be travelling anywhere Anyway, are they? As ever, we want to hear from you, though, because you are our eyes and ears, and we need to keep a solidly sensible outlook on this, despite the hysteria all around. The government is going to spend £12 billion fighting uh, the economic effects of the disease, uh, and we want to know uh, what they're going to do about that. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we'll be asking Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell what he made of the first ever budget by Rishi Sunak yesterday, generally accepted to be a massive giveaway of cash, and we're finding out whether motorists are happy with the announcement of 27 billion pounds being spent on the roads including fixing them up and making sure the potholes are all filled in 0344 499 1000 plus we'll be tasting a little champagne with Chris Walkie from Glass of Bubbly because there's nothing like keeping our spirits up in these difficult times you'll listen to me Mike Graham right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet which is currently locked down this is Talk Radio Mid-morning with Mike Graham Talk Radio now, you'll have seen all over the news this morning, Donald Trump has basically uh, decided to ban all flights coming in from mainland Europe to the United States of America from midnight on Friday. The ban does not apply to the United Kingdom. Some people say uh, that that's a political move that he has made, basically showing up the European Union uh, for being a useless organisation that hasn't done enough to stop the spread of the coronavirus. But what I suppose we must all now realise uh, is that an awful lot of people are going to be getting this disease. Tom Hanks and his wife have now got it. We've heard of NBA stars. 
stars that have now got it, and the NBA uh, has cancelled all future basketball games in the United States of America. We've got politicians who have got it. Nadine Dorries uh, is self-isolating currently. She's the health minister. She's got it as well. Uh, let's talk to David Else, who's a writer for Lonely Planet, to find out what he makes of this latest manoeuvre uh, by the President of the United States. David, a very good morning to you. Good morning. I don't think the travel business has ever been in quite such a bad way, has it? I tell you what, I wake up every morning, read the papers, read the websites, and there's always something going on. It's, yeah. it's a, you know, for those of us who are trying to plan holidays, those of us in the travel industry, it's a great time of unknown. Yeah, well, it really is. And I mean, unexpected, I suppose you would say that Donald Trump came out and made this announcement last night. But at this point in time, I'm amazed that anybody's actually going anywhere. Well, yes and no. I mean, there's there's a great range of thoughts among amongst the public, and I'm sure you get this on your show, you phone in listeners and so on. There are some people who are saying, I'm staying in, I'm going to stock up on toilet roll and I'm never going out again. Mm. And there are other people who are saying, well, to hell with it. You know, it's stiff up a lip, keep calm, carry on, and um, presenting an attitude to, to carry on as normal. I'm not saying either of those are right or wrong, but we've got a real range of attitudes across the country and across the world. Well, this is why it's a bit tricky, isn't it? I've been saying to, uh, to Julie Hartley-Brewer that when that uh, fixture in the Six Nations was cancelled between Ireland and Italy, uh, all the Italian fans who were not supposed to be travelling went to Dublin anyway because they'd already booked to go there, they'd already paid for their hotel rooms, and even though there was no game, they thought, well, we might as well have a weekend in Ireland anyway. Absolutely, and, and as you say, this is this is the from the outside what appears illogical, mm. and, and and a lot of it is very hard to understand. And, and the only the advice we give at Lonely Planet, and the only advice that really anyone can take, is you've got to rely on reliable sources of information. And in our country, at the moment, the most reliable source of information are the are the medical experts, and then their views come through the government's own website and the NHS website. And that, we have to go on that. We've got to follow the advice, the scientific advice of the experts. And at the moment, if that says, look, it's OK to travel or it, it's not OK to travel, we just must take that advice. But that is the trouble, isn't it? Because the advice tends to differ depending on, one, which country you may be travelling to or from. I mean, I think everybody's pretty well uh, clear about Italy. Everyone's pretty clear about places like Singapore, uh, possibly even uh, parts of Southeast Asia that are on these prescribed lists, Iran certainly as well. But as far as travelling to America, for example, is concerned, um, I mean, I don't know what the advice is, really. Well, I can, I can be very, can give you the top advice on that is on our government's own website, www.gov.uk, go onto the travel pages and there's a list of every single country in the world and it tells you how safe it is. Now, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, it might have been about some completely different thing, a terrorism attack or something horrible like that. Now, of course, the thing in the headlines is the coronavirus, mm. but it will tell you where you can and cannot go. And that's advice from our own government based on the scientific advice. And that is a really good source of information to start with. Yes. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because the travelling around this country might soon be curtailed in as much as we're expecting some kind of announcement from Boris Johnson in the next few hours in which he will recommend, uh, which I think is all he can really do, different types of behaviour that you should engage in. Because it would appear um, that as each country gets more and more cases, each country gets more and more draconian about who goes where. Yeah, and that, this is what we're waiting to see. And as, as we said at the top of this chat, the, the situation is developing hour by hour, minute by minute. There are different schools of thought regarding travel. Some say that travel itself is not the issue. It's the, the matters of personal hygiene, how you meet people, the shaking hands, the washing your hands after touching door handles. Yeah. It's not so much travel. Is one school of thought. 
and other school of thought it's not the travel so much it's the big gatherings of people where it's not so much the problem with everybody and being in the same room it's just there's suddenly so many more people around and then the third the third school of thought is you stay at home and don't meet anybody and we are waiting for those for that news to come out today we're all standing by to see what we're told to do yeah exactly right and the thing is the travel business itself is not exactly at its most robust at the moment we've seen already flyby uh, folding as an airline and we know that that wasn't entirely down to coronavirus it was down to a great many other things but there's not that many airlines for example that can survive without the revenue streams that they that they're currently not getting you're absolutely right and and the uh, now, even before the President Trump's ban was announced our time this morning, pretty much, um, a lot of the airlines were in difficulty uh, because people were unable to travel uh, to, to uh, zones affected or were deciding not to travel anyway. A lot of the planes were having to fly because there's a whole weird system going on where the only it's a bit like being in the car park at the supermarket. The only way you can save your space is to get there. It's a bit like towers on the sun rangers, sun lounges. And some planes were flying empty around the world just to preserve their landing slots at key airports. Now, that was a bonkers situation. Yes. And it seems within Europe, at least, as I understand, that now you can reserve your parking slot without having to fly an empty plane there. But generally, yes, you're absolutely right. The airlines are in difficulties anyway. It's Many of them, not all, but many of them do operate on a bit of a... Uh, tightrope anyway and it takes an event like this to push some of them over the edge so we are going to have to see how that pans out over the next few months and years right and how do you think this u.s travel ban is going to be in terms of uh, of how it actually works because we're told there's some doubt as to whether or not americans may be able to fly to europe it's just that europeans can't fly into america well, it's not even Europeans can't. I mean, the, the, the key point about this, the, the announcement from President Trump this morning is that if you have been in mainland, uh, mainland Europe, so you could be a British person who happens to live in France and you're trying to go to America, you can't do it. And the, you, you're, you could be a French person in the UK yeah. and you can. So it's not so much your own nationality, it's where you it's where are you're coming, coming from. from. Yes. And none of it applies to American citizens anyway. So you could fly in. Now, how that pans out, nobody knows. It's caught so many people by surprise. It's caught other governments by surprise. Apparently, it's caught people within the U.S. administration by surprise. It's caught the airlines by surprise. We've got to just wait over the next few hours and see how it pans out. Yes, absolutely right. And so the Americans, uh, I mean, and as far as the airlines themselves are concerned, they just won't be allowed to leave, say, for example, Charles de Gaulle Airport and fly to Kennedy. Well, we, you see, the thing is, it's not a ban against the flights. It's a ban against passengers. So, so we don't know. What are the airlines going to do? I mean, there's nothing to stop the planes flying to and from. They just might say, well, there's no passengers going to be on this plane. Let's cancel the flight. So that may be what's happened, and then that would be perceived or presented as the airlines cancelling the flight rather than uh, the airlines being banned themselves. The thing is, that's already happening. We've seen so many airlines around the world in the last month since the coronavirus became a headline event cancelling their flights anyway due to lack of passengers. Timetables around the world are just being ripped up and started again. So this latest thing is actually just bigger a part of the bigger picture okay uh, david thank you very much indeed david else there writer for lonely planet about uh, this travel ban which has been imposed by donald trump on europe which is basically not a ban on airplanes as he's just said it's a ban on the passengers themselves well how does that work
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Lots of spending plans announced yesterday in the budget from Rishi Sunak, of course, his first ever budget. We'll be talking to John McDonnell uh, from the Labour Party front bench about that coming up in a little while. Right now, then, we're going to talk to Paul Bristow, MP, uh, who is Conservative MP for Peterborough, a member of the Health Select Committee, uh, to find out what we can expect later on from the Prime Minister and what we can expect in terms of the next phase uh, of dealing with this coronavirus. Paul, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. We're expecting Boris Johnson, I think, at some point today um, to kind of lay out some different, uh, a different set of sort of recommendations, I suppose they will be. Do you have any idea what they might be? Well, let's not speculate. Let's just wait and see what the experts tell us um, about the, whether we're going to go into the next phase or not. And let's just wait and see what comes out of the COBRA meeting. But um, there are four very distinct phases. There was the contained phase. Um, there is now speculation that we may be moving into the delay phase. So we delay the peak of the coronavirus effect later on in the year. So we're not, the NHS is not in a winter, into the winter crisis it sometimes finds itself in. And yeah. that we're better able and capable to deal with the problems associated with the virus. I spoke to Jeremy Hunt last week, Paul, uh, who's the chair of your, of your select committee. And he gave me the impression that that was the movement that week into, uh, into the second phase. But I guess that's turned out not to be true then. Well, we'll find out a bit later today. The Professor Whitty, the Chief Medical Officer, and others from across the four nations are, I think, inputted into this COBRA meeting, and we'll find out what the situation is later today. Right. And what do you make of the Donald Trump travel ban to um, all passengers coming from mainland Europe? Is that something that we will then possibly think about doing as well? Well, he's clearly reacted to advice he's received. That's for the United States to do what they feel they need to do to control the coronavirus. We're listening to our experts at the COBRA meeting today, and I'm sure the government will react with appropriate restraint and appropriate measures in due course. Mm. It's difficult to know, though, isn't it? Because with every measure that has been taken, um, 
you might find that that measure wasn't enough and you have to make another measure possible. Well, a lot of this, a lot of this is making sure that we act with appropriate restraint. We don't want to overreact and, and hurt the economy, but at the same time, we want to ensure public safety. So it's about doing what the experts say. All decisions that this government is taking are fueled by scientific advice, and that's the best way to proceed. Yeah, that. but it keeps changing, and that's the problem. I mean, I've been talking to scientists from day one, and each of them say to me, next week our advice might be completely different. Yeah, well, that's the nature, I think, of, of, of this condition. Uh, we don't want to unduly harm our economy, hurt business. Uh, that's why the budget yesterday went to protect public services, protect people and protect uh, business. But at the same time, we want to make sure we're protecting the general public from, from the virus. And as far as the actual current scientific advice is, I mean, what is the best estimate? Because, I mean, you can, you can take an estimate of anything from sort of, you know, where we are now with, I think, eight deaths all the way up to half a million deaths. I mean, it's very difficult for the public to get their kind of head around how serious this really is. Well, I think the best thing we can do is look back at what happened uh, in China, who managed to um, get a contain and deal with the crisis there. And I think the, they're saying now the infection rate in China, I think in Wuhan province, was around 5%. So we have to base our estimates, I believe, on the facts and on what's happened in the past. And, of course, the best scientific advice we can get from our experts in this country. Right. I mean, Denmark, for example, has gone into a 14-day lockdown today. They have no coronavirus deaths at all. Um, why are we not doing that? Because I think we are reacting to the best, as I keep saying, the best possible scientific advice we can receive. Uh, and that does mean um, doing the things that the, in the budget yesterday, 12 billion to... Protect. Yeah, but those are largely economic uh, measures, aren't they? Yes, of course, because this virus could have a serious economic impact yes. on, on businesses. But there's also protecting public services. We've given the NHS initially 5 billion extra pounds, but the NHS will get the money it needs to respond to this crisis. Yes, but why is Denmark doing something so dramatically different if they're also working off scientific advice? Well, the, you'll have to ask the, the representative of the Danish government uh, that. I mean, I think every country needs to react in the way that they uh, perceive is in their best interests. In this country, we're protecting, as I say, business and our public services and people with what was announced yesterday, and we are relying on the latest scientific advice, which I'm sure will be forthcoming at the COBRA, meter today, COBRA okay. meeting today. And Nadine Dorries, obviously, we know, is one MP who has uh, self-isolated yeah. because she has the uh, virus. Does anyone else in Westminster feel the need to get themselves tested? Well, I think... I just want to send out to Nadine, who's done a fantastic job as... Uh, our minister in responding to this crisis. And I just want to send her and her family all the best from myself and, and some of our colleagues mm. in the Conservative Parliamentary Party. Look, again, um, we are listening to the experts. In this case, in terms of Parliament, we're listening to what the Speaker thinks is best and he will react to, to his experts. But as, as far as I'm aware, uh, Nadine is the only member of Parliament so far to have self-isolating with the virus. Yes. I mean, it's very difficult, isn't it, to strike this balance? I mean, I think the government's actually done a pretty good job of keeping a perspective on this, but it can yeah. seemingly now ratchet out of control, though, because when Donald Trump, the President of the United States of America, suddenly bans everyone from uh, mainland Europe from going to America, I mean, that's a pretty drastic step. Um, Donald Trump is Donald Trump, and I'm sure he's reacting um, in the best way he seems fit from the advice he's received from his experts. We're doing the same in this country. No, I get that. But what I'm saying is, is it's, it's as, as, as each week passes, 
it gets more difficult to remain calm, if you know what I mean. And I think that's how the public feels. Yeah. No, I do. And I think each... This is... And you've made this point a couple of times. This is a changing scenario where things will change week to week to week. But, you know, we will get through this. Things will get better uh, at the end. And we just need to do as a government, protect business, protect public services, protect people by being cautious, but at the same time ready to react um, when the needs arise. And as far as the the current advice is concerned, um, we were told the other day that probably the next 14 days is going to see this sort of peak period of infections. Is that still, Mm. generally speaking, the, the, the guidance? Well, if we do move into delay phase, and I emphasise the word if, and we'll find out from the COBRA meeting today, the tactics will be designed to try and push the peak of this uh, outbreak, if you like, um, as far into the spring and into the summer uh, as possible. But as I keep saying, this is a changing situation, and every week and every day will will mean different choices and different advice. But this is the thing. I mean, you know, we see the Madrid fans travelling from Spain yesterday when Spain is supposed to be on some kind of lockdown. Uh, We see Cheltenham going ahead, which is a very big race meeting. We see the Australian Grand Prix going ahead, which I realise has got nothing to do with you. Um, But we see Six Nations matches cancelled. It's it's a bit of a patchy picture, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and, and again, I think it's. I think people are, and sporting institutions and, and decision-making bodies are making their own decisions at the appropriate time. But my advice to all of them is wait until the government issues its latest advice and, and then act accordingly. Okay. I mean, for example, I'll give, give, give you an example. I'm holding uh, a surgery tomorrow in Peterborough in, in McDonald's, right. in the centre of uh, my city, and I'm waiting for the latest advice as to whether that goes ahead. Right. OK. Well, Paul, thank you very much for talking to us, uh, and good luck with it all. Paul Bristow there from the um, uh, the, the um, Health Select Committee. Dr Feelgood to the rescue is the Daily Mail's headline. Sunak's Road to Riches is the Times headline. This was all about getting it done, £30 billion virus booster, nerves of steel uh, in the Express, Rishi's £30 billion war uh, on virus, and Tories splashed the cash, but will it hit the right targets? This, of course, is uh, the, the reaction in the newspapers this morning uh, to Rishi Sunak's first ever budget, which I thought he delivered uh, with some elan. I thought he was rather um, impressive, actually, for a man who's only just got the job and who only had about four weeks to put it all together. It was very much more about the coronavirus than it was about anything else, really, but we'll be talking about something other aspects of it a little bit later on. Let's hear from John McDonnell now, though, Shadow Chancellor. I said to him that this was pretty much his last opportunity uh, to have a go at the Tory Chancellor, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is. <laughs> uh, this, 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 I'll be standing down in a couple of weeks' time. I'll have a new leader. I'll go to the back benches and I'll, uh, I'll become an elder statesman. Will you miss it? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course you do. There's, you know, it's intensive, you know, nearly five years, and it's long hours hard work and a lot of challenges. Uh, but, yeah, of course, of course I will. But at the same time, you know, when you've done it for five years at that intensity, sometimes it's you know, looking for a break and spending... It is about spending more time with your children and grandchildren. Mind you, they might not want to see me, I hope so. <laughs> well, you might want to... You could say you might spend some more time watching Liverpool play in the Champions League, but unfortunately they've been knocked uh, out. You had Tragically. to say that to me, didn't you? You rubbed salt in the I'm wound. I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. I've, I've got to say that I'm standing next to somebody here who's an Atletico Madrid fan. That's that's why she why, why she made me mention it. But how about the tribute to you, though, by Rishi Sunak? Because it's a bit of a John McDonald budget, this, isn't it? Well, people are saying that, but let's be realistic about it. We have shoved them, definitely. We've pushed them in terms of some of the issues about needing to invest for the future but nowhere near where it needs to go, nowhere near enough. 
And in addition to that, actually, in some areas, significantly in the wrong direction. I was bitterly disappointed about the failure really to address the, well, the existential threat of climate change. And quite not only not addressing it, but also then to announce £27 billion worth of roads, which will ensure that we don't meet our climate change targets. So, no, it wasn't really. Of course, we've, yes, we've shifted them onto a different ground, but nowhere near enough. And it's the usual conservative tactics, really, which, you know, to stay in power, what they'll do, they'll promise the earth and I doubt that they'll deliver, and I think a lot of people will be pretty disappointed on this end eventually. There are some people now, though, who wonder about the whole climate change kind of agenda and whether or not spending a whole load of money on it is, is the right thing to do, and particularly now when, you know, what appears to be the existential threat to the world is coronavirus, not actually, uh, you know, anything to do with the climate. You've got to deal with both. We've got three emergencies, haven't we? The first is the virus, and what we've got to do, and we've said this to the government, We'll support them in the programme they've brought forward. It needs more. We've said, look, by the NHS, we agree, the NHS should get whatever is needed. It's a pity it's a crisis like the virus that's actually brought them to their centres on this. At least that's, that's happened. On social care, my worry is they never said anything on social care yesterday. And we're saying we'll support them in funding social care. And they need to do that quickly because social care is about older people, the very people who are vulnerable to this virus. There's lots of people who are not going to be access statutory sick pay, like low-paid zero-hour workers and part-time workers. So we're going to ask the government to look at that again. And we're also saying statutory sick pay is so low, £94 just above. It's not enough to keep people, well, out of poverty. So again, we'll be pressing them on that. So on the virus issue, yes, we'll support the government on that. No party politics on that. Just let's get on with the job and sort it. The other crisis that we've got is the emergency of public services. They did nothing about that yesterday. And then in terms of the climate change crisis, this is an existential threat. If we don't deal with it now, we're running out of time. Our children, our grandchildren will never forgive us. And not only did they not deal with it, I think they actually went in the wrong direction yesterday. So, of course, we've got to raise all those issues. And if we were in government, that would be our, our agenda. We would be doing it. But there's a lot of people out there on the roads who are going to feel quite happy that more roads are going to be built and more roads are going to be uh, made to be less congested and potholes are going to be fixed because the ordinary working people of this country, John, as you know, uh, need to be able to get around and need to be able to get around fast. Well, it's getting the balance right, isn't it? Let's go through it. In terms of the potholes, I have to say I almost fell about laughing because I think that's the third time that's been announced by the Conservatives. So you, you'll forgive me if I'm a bit cynical <laughs> about that one. It's a bit like John Major's cones. Can you remember yeah, that one? I remember one? the cone hotline, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit like that. That's the third time this pothole thing has been announced. Anyway, and the potholes still haven't been filled. <laughs> anyway, in terms of the road building, the issue there now is we've got to invest in public transport, in buses and rail, and that certainly hasn't been done significantly enough by this government or, or yesterday. But on the roads issue, is yeah, of course... If there's a need for an individual role that's absolutely strategic, that's fine. But alongside that, what you have to do is take people out of their cars into public transport or make sure that what we're doing is developing electric cars. And what we would have been doing in government is, for example, we would introduce a scrappage scheme to get rid of the existing fossil fuel-driven cars. We'd introduce cheap loans to enable people to buy the new electric cars, but also 
we'd be producing them here with battery factories as well. No, none of that sort of strategic thinking was there in, with regard to this government. Well, I think they're still waiting to see how this coronavirus thing plays out. I was down in Westminster yesterday in the tent uh, at Talk Radio on College Green, and a lot of the MPs I was talking to were, were quite concerned about what happens in the next few weeks, really, particularly even just in regards to Parliament. I know you guys are closing up in a couple of weeks' time anyway. Have you had yourself tested, John? Are you urging other people to do so? No, up until now, the advice has been, if you have any concerns or symptoms, ring the 111 number and then they'll advise you accordingly. They haven't advised us to be tested yet, but I'm, I'm saying actually we should move on to that now because in Parliament now, as you know, there's been a number of yeah. individual MPs and others that now have, so therefore I think we should move to the next stage. But we'll follow the advice of the medical officer all the way through. And finally, um, as you say, very soon you're going to have a new Labour leader. Have you cast your vote yet? Have you decided who you're going to be backing? Well, yeah, I, I, I said from the beginning I was supporting Becky Long-Bailey and Richard Bergen as deputy. Um, we'll see who comes out of that, but uh, all three of them are pr- pretty good. And the good thing about it is that each one of them has said whoever's leader, they'll appoint the other two into shadow cabinet. So it'll be quite a really, I think, a united but a very talented shadow cabinet. Now that will take the stories on. And does Jeremy Corbyn stay in any cabinet that gets formed as well, any shadow cabinet? I don't know. It's up to Jeremy or, what, or whoever is leader, but... Um, that, that's up to them. I'm, I'm going to the back benches. As I say, I'm going to be, I'm going to enjoy myself as an elder statesman. Okay, I look forward to it, John. Thanks very much indeed. <laughs> Cheers, all the best. John McDonnell there uh, wants to be an elder statesman. I'm not sure you can appoint yourself as an elder statesman. I think you sort of have to become an elder statesman. Everybody else has to think you're an elder statesman. But there we are. Dave says this. Seriously, did John McDonnell just say typical Tory promised the earth to get into power? Is that not what Labour did? And But they didn't get into power. And Carl says the irony of John McDonnell saying that the usual Tory tactics uh, are the budget to give away stuff to stay in power. That is very ironic. And Andrew says if John McDonnell really thinks they have had any influence on the Tories, it just shows how detached from reality they really are. They couldn't influence millions of voters. What a joke Labour have become. Well, let's go to the phones because lots of you want to talk about the coronavirus and the situation which is currently changing literally by the hour. 0344 499 As I said, we're expecting the Prime Minister Boris Johnson to make some kind of statement this afternoon after another COBRA meeting at which he will possibly move us into a new phase. I'm pretty certain that Jeremy Hunt told me last week that we had already moved into the second phase of the coronavirus scenario. But let's talk to Nigel, who's in North London. Hi, Nigel. Good morning. Well, what an invigorating, wonderful show you are since the start of the day, I must say. Well, and it's uh, great, to, great to hear John McDonnell talking about fossil fuels and a fossil himself. So, um, <laughs> well, I love the I fact that he's also appointed himself as an elder statesman. Well, maybe it's a, a state of mind thing. Who knows? Maybe. I wish I would. Who knows? But I, I want to actually applaud Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump has gripped this by the neck and given it a good shake. Yeah. If, if, if people really remember the historical value of this of this coronavirus story, it's been going for just short of 60 days now. Right. Not six days, but 60 days. And then we had about three weeks ago, people who were being, coming back from China mm. were suddenly whisked off from airports to uh, self-isolation centres, uh, two of them across the country, yeah. for those who remember that. Yes. But then we've got the biggest death toll in mainland Europe, in a country only two and a half hours away, called Italy. Yes. Yet all people coming back from Italy in mainland Europe are being, coming through the Green Hill, come on in, you're perfectly all right, enjoy yourselves, come to England, have fun, but no one's being tested or screened. And I think that is the problem. We welcome everybody in this country, everyone's welcome here, our doors are open, but clearly we're closing down for business, and Boris Johnson needs to close our borders till we get this, this, this 
problem under control and, and arrest its progression. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Because having spoken earlier to Paul Bristow from the Health Select Committee, um, who wasn't exactly uh, forthcoming with information, the problem is nobody really knows what the next phase is. And I'm certain that Jeremy Hunt told me last week that they'd moved away from containment into uh, delay because they clearly can't contain it. No, it, it's a bit like a pantomime. It's behind you, it's behind you. Yeah. Where is it? Oh, there it is. It's yeah, behind. right. I, I just think that clearly it's... Um, a thing that they don't know where it's going to come from, how it's going to spread, how it's not going to spread. And all the thing about self-isolation, don't touch this, wash your hands. Well, I'm sorry, but you can't live your life as simple as that. Of course, wash your hands, be clean, make sure your clothes are washed and, and cleaned and dry cleaned, etc. But you're going out in a city which is full of 14 million people on a day-to-day -day basis, travelling here, working here and living here. And whatever you do, you come into contact with all sorts of people, most amazing people in, in a vibrant city, whether you go shopping, whether you go to work, whether you use public transport, a bus, a taxi, whatever you do, you interact with people. Yeah. No one knows how or, 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 or why this virus is being spread the way it is. And clearly, I'm sorry to say that whilst Boris Johnson may be doing the best he can, he needs to try harder. Yeah, I just wonder. I mean, I was quite pleased with Rishi Sunak's um, announcements yesterday and the fact that they've set sure. aside a lot of money to help business. I think that's important because a lot Absolutely. of people will be more affected by this economically than they will be actually physically. Because I think we need to move into a phase, and I've been saying this for a while now, Nigel, uh, where people understand that they're quite likely to possibly get this disease, but that it won't actually harm them irreparably. Yeah, it's true. I, 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 I've had a, a bit of a tickly cough, and I've had a bit of a, a the shivers the last few days. I went on to the 111 uh, NHS yeah. UK uh, website where you put in your symptoms and you do everything else. No, you're okay, you're fine. Okay. Uh, and what about your company where you work? Are they, are they considering sort of shutting down or anything? No, where I, where I work, everyone's got is having remote access and remote logins. I've got all of that yeah. when I'm out and about. So every business has to take contingency plans, and mm. those that don't, unfortunately, are going to suffer. But I think clearly it's going to be a serious economic downturn for a lot of smaller companies who just don't have the cash flow, who don't have the infrastructure to move things forward. And let's not forget something else. We say everyone says... Don't go shopping. Well, you know, if you get something delivered to you online, how do you know who's touched it, where it's been, that box, before it actually comes to you? Yeah, right. Absolutely right. There's so many different things that can happen that unless people just stop going anywhere, it will continue to spread. Nigel, thanks very much indeed. Let's talk to Jason, uh, who is in Ballam. Hi, Jason. Um, hi, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, so, yeah, a few days ago, well, the last few days, it's been a bit poorly, not, not too bad. But um, last night we received an email, mm. a communication from work, saying that um, since we were in lockdown, there's, someone had coronavirus there. So I work for like, a large futures exchange business in London. Okay. Um, so their response has been brilliant, like loads of communication throughout. But I go to 111, and essentially, unless you've kind of been in direct contact with someone or you've been to one of the affected countries, they don't be one to speak to you. Right. So do you know whether you uh, were in contact with the person at work who had it? Well, they're reaching out directly to people they know who have. Okay. So obviously... So they're not naming the person? Areas. No, no, not yet. But, right. like, I could have spoken in the kitchen or... Yeah. So they, they are reaching out individually to people they know, like in this team, for example. Right, OK. So you're going to be at home, basically working from home for how long? They said a few days. It'll probably be a few weeks. Right. It's a, hu it's a huge business. Right? Yeah. And you... It's a company that owns the New York Stock Exchange. Oh, OK. And, I mean, you know, that's not going brilliant at the moment as it is, is it, really? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's to stop trading a week ago, right? So, 
Uh, it's going well for some people with trading, but for the actual market itself, not great. Right. It's, it's, it's a bizarre story, though, isn't it? Because it's quite difficult to get to grips with what to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's a classic example. Business are on top of that. You know, we've got committees giving like, constant communication. Yeah. Um, we all work remotely. There's large infrastructure that we're dealing with here, and we've all gone remote. Yeah. But you go to the you go to, uh, to the actual country, and yeah, you just okay, just sit tight and don't do anything. Right. Okay. Really. All right, well, good luck with it. hope you can uh, manage to get through the period of time without getting completely bored. I mean, the trouble for a lot of people who are going to be having to stay home and work is that, you know, it's not quite as interesting necessarily as going to an office. Jason, thanks very much indeed for calling. Let's talk to Peter, uh, who's also in North London. Hi, Peter. Yeah, hi, Mike. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. What can you, what can you tell me? Well, look, I run a, I run a small restaurant business. Okay. And um, I was looking forward to, to Rishi Sunak's um, budget. But, you know, what he's actually planning on doing really will not help most small businesses. Mm. It certainly won't help most high street businesses. They've set the threshold too low. Right. The threshold is below that which most restaurants, pubs, bars, cinemas and so forth pay. So they won't get any benefit whatsoever. Right, you're talking about like the business rate to holiday and all that. Yeah, the business rate holiday, it's crazy. It's just, a, it's just for small, very, very small corner shops mm. and, and the like. You know, it doesn't, it won't help me one eye which, right. which is a great shame because he had a good opportunity here to um Well, absolutely. To do stuff. And so are you, are you going to be struggling? I mean, because I was, I was out for dinner on Monday night, um, which I know is not a particularly busy night, normally speaking, for restaurants, but the restaurant was unbelievably quiet. It's going to be the way it's, it's happening now. I mean, I can see football dropping, you know, almost daily. And right. we're, we're you know, a busy place. I've been established 35 years. Mm. Um, so, you know, we've got a lot, a lot of great local clientele. We've been coming to us for a long time. Yeah. So um, if it's affecting us, God knows what it's doing to, to other small businesses that haven't you right. know, have been so established. But I'm more concerned about, about you know, what I can do with my staff. Um, if they shut us down, as they did in Italy... Um, how, how can I survive? Well, surely if they shut us, if they shut businesses down, uh, you know, by force, as it were, and they say you must shut down, they have to compensate you, surely. Well, how? You know, who's got this pause button that we'd all love, love to be? Well, <laughs> well, maybe they're hoping it doesn't. It, maybe they're hoping it doesn't come to that. I mean, I'm not convinced that we will go the way of Italy, but I have no way of knowing that. It's just my own instinct, you know. Um, hopefully, we don't. But if if the government forces you to shut your business, they have to compensate. You. I can't see any other way, and they just have to find the money. Well, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, after this COVID meeting. Yes, yes, indeed. If we move to the next level, then you know, it's it's the right. I mean, if we in two weeks' time, if we are uh, where Italy is now, which is you know quite likely. Yeah. Um, then you know, can you imagine? Imagine the transport system closing down. Yeah, right. The underground. You know? Well, I'll tell you what. Tell us where you where, what your restaurant is. I'll come and have dinner there and uh, keep you it's going. Great Italian, fantastic pizzas. It's called La Cochonne. It's on Lauderdale Parade on the Lake of I think I know it, actually. I think I know Le Cochonet. I'm sure I've seen it. I used to drive around there quite a bit. Peter, we'll come and see you and keep you in business. It's a good idea. Let's talk to uh, Coconut Cabby is the name. Coconut Cabby is a very strange name, Coconut Cabby. Well, I'm a cabby and I'm a coconut. So right, OK. Do? Well, I don't know. I'd rather call you by a proper name, but if you must, I can call you that if you like. All right, you can call me Coco um, Vid 19. Coco, all right, we'll go, let's go with that then. What do you want to tell me? I find that you're doing a disservice by playing this uh, virus down. Um, the, the, the problem isn't that the virus is going to kill. It, it's that people... I've talked about nothing panic. else, Coco. How am I doing, I know, how am I doing a disservice? Because you're making out that people shouldn't panic. The panic well, you, Oh, you virus. think people should panic? That's a good idea. Great. 
Well, no, no. The the pan because the panic is going to ensue no matter what. So you should be. Are you panicking? Got, uh, uh, no, I'm not. Pan- if you let me finish. All right. People are gonna people are gonna panic. How do you and know that's that? What we need to because they're panicking already. You can see it. People, idiots are buying towers worth of toilet paper that they can't even fit. Yeah, into but their they're, car. they're not panicking though, are they? <laughs> they're not panicking. Well, if you're if you're buying four million pounds worth of toilet paper, then you're panicking. I think that might be a bit but of an people, over-exaggeration. Uh, I know, I know. I'm, you know, I'm just saying. You sound pretty chilled buying... out, Coco. You don't sound like a man that will panic. I'm not a guy that will panic. I'm just saying I think we have to treat all of this very seriously, but we have to t- keep it in proportion as well. Yeah, but what we need to do, if we have platforms like you, Mr. Mike Graham, with your excellent um, YouTube thing, um, you. Tank of the Week, I love it. And I love the fact that um, Sadiq Khan is the ultimate prank <laughs> of every week. <laughs> Don't you know, I saw him in the street the other day. He didn't say hello. Oh, he's such a moron. But anyway, <laughs> um, if people are panicking, which people are going to panic, right. we, need to, um, we need to direct their panic. So instead of buying toilet paper when you can just wash your hands, yeah. under, sorry, but you can just wash your hands. We need to direct people's panic in the right direction. Well, you've, you got, an, you've got a great opportunity here, Coco. Why don't you give a message to all those people who are buying stuff wrongly? Tell them what you want to tell them. <clears throat> well, we have a virus which is coming, which is very serious. It kills more people on rate than what the flu does. So we have an No, it doesn't. That's not panic. true. That's incorrect. No. The flu kills no. more people. Well, How many people have died no. so far no. in this country of coronavirus? No, listen to what I said. It kills more people on average than what the flu kills. It's still flu not true. 0.1. No, what have I said that's not true, Mr. Well, Mike Graham? you've got eight people dead from coronavirus, right? Last year, 17,000 oh people died of the flu. You've got a long way to go. Listen to what I said. Listen to what I said. The coronavirus kills more people on average. So when 16,992 more people die, that will be the same as the flu. No, you're still not listening. The flu, the flu has been around for decades. Yeah. It kills 0.1% of the people it infects. But every single year it does that, though. Listen. You're not listening. I am. I'm you're really not listening. listening. You're try- Don't panic. No, you're trying to... Re- <laughs> You're trying to rebuttal me before you listen. That's my job. The flu kill. I know, but listen to what I'm saying. Right, otherwise, go you're going to be. We've got to go to the news in a minute. Otherwise, you're going to be plank of the week. <laughs> been... <laughs> Come on, then. The flu kills, the flu kills 0.1% of people it infects. Right. Coronavirus kills more than 3% of people it infects. So, once I'm not sure that's true. A... No, it is true. Once the corona has the effect of affecting. The mass population, it will kill more. Right. So there is reason to worry. It's going to kill your grandparents. It's going to kill you. Mo- it's going to. Oh, it's careful. Then. Careful. I'm going to let you go. Listen, Coco, you came on here to tell people not to panic. You just told them they're all going to die. I'm not sure that's the message we want to give out. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.